0: duty shall be done old grad podcast where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the united states military academy class of 1991 the duty shall be done old grad podcast with your host jamie
1: Schleck starts now Here you find. All right, great. Well, let's get started. So welcome to the old grad podcast. It's been quite a time. It's been quite a while since I've done one of these. Uh, welcome. Welcome, our classmates. Welcome, our guest. Uh, Rich Ryan, company I-1, I believe, right? You're an I-1? Yeah, I-1. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here on, on July 5th, 2021. Uh, and I uh, haven't done one of these things in, in quite some time, not because I haven't wanted to, I just 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 been very hard to coordinate uh, timing with everybody, and I appreciate everybody changing the time tonight too by 30 minutes because my daughter had a basketball game which went right down to a second, so I just kind of came in. I'm hot docking a little bit here, so Rich, <laughs> I appreciate your flexibility, and you and I haven't, we really haven't talked that much. We did a very, very brief pre-call. You normally have a process by which we do a pre-call. We kind of vet out some stories, and so you and I are going a little bit on the fly here tonight, but I think we'll do okay, right?
0: Yeah, that's all right. I'm not usually short of words.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and we just saw each other a couple of weeks ago at Holly, Holly West retirement. So uh, we got a chance to catch up there, too. And one of the no, reasons okay, why I, want, I wanted to do this so badly for the last couple of weeks is because there's so much happening. Right. We got so many classmates that are retiring after 30 years. Um, there's just, uh, you know, anniversary of our day anniversary of the 4th of July, that first time that we are doing that in Beast, and just so many memories flooding back, and so many emotions, and I think another thing that's kind of weighing heavily on me, too, is our withdrawal of troops in Afghanistan, what that means, so many of our classes, so much time there, and um, I think about their service, I think about all that has gone into that, and it's just, it's just a kind of a surreal time, so
0: yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think uh, it, it's just an interesting time for a lot of us, you know, whether it's retiring and transitioning or transitioning into a new phase or, uh, um, you know, certainly we're at that uh, kind of critical midlife crisis phase of, of everyone. So, um, you know, career changes and, um, you know, we career advancements. Um, it's, it, it's definitely an interesting, you know, point in our lives, whether everyone's retiring right now and, and trying to think about their next phase or or whether we're, you know, all thinking about where we go next.
1: Definitely, definitely. And we've got kids leaving the college, kids getting married in some cases, grandkids being born. And there's like a whole different phase of life that's kind of opening up for us. And it's, it's exciting, but it's also, it's really, it's really nice to have other people that are going through it at the same time that you have so much in common with and so much you can share with. And that's the one thing that I think was the byproduct of this old grab podcast. It wasn't necessarily the intention, but it really has brought a lot of us closer together. And we've shared some moments of vulnerability and we've been there for each other. There's this 91 healthy leaders cohort that has sprung out of this, that Tracy Fisher is leading. And it's been great. I was, I've been on a couple of calls and we've got like 15 or 20 classmates that are really there for each other. And, there's a couple of themes that continue to emerge, right? It's the themes of aging parents. It's the themes of transitioning, uh, t- transition with uh, career. Um, it's, it's kids raising kids, it's uh, relationships. And so, so much that we have in common with one another. And I think one of the beauties of the class of 91 and, and is the fact that we don't need to bullshit each other right i mean we've been through a lot of the same things a lot of the same trials together and you know life is uh challenging at times and it's good to be
0: there for each other yeah no, i know i i agree and i think it's great that you've been doing this jamie i think it's just a, a a wonderful way to um kind of look back and reflect on uh you know what formed us uh when we were young uh, and how that kind of has advanced and you know it doesn't mean we're uh all uh, butterflies and rainbows, but uh, it's good to have. Uh, it's good to have that same group of folks that went through a really hard time with you to go through good times and bad times. You know, as we uh, as we see, there's probably a lot of gray I think left in my beard. So as we as we get older, it's you know it's good to have that crew around.
1: Well, one of the stated intentions was to connect this better to West Point, and it was also to highlight our class gift, which I have not been harping on that much lately because with COVID and everything else, I've just kind of been backing off, but I do wanna put the pedal to the metal here in the last two months and really stress the fact that what we're doing as a class, the class gift, which is the William Hecker Memorial uh, gift to the Cyber Institute is so meaningful to West Point. And we are funding a chair at the Cyber Institute. It's a critical It's a critical role it's one that straddles the military civilian divide and enables enables somebody to be be able to ask for money, ask for partnerships, which is something that is really kind of reboten for the for the military to be able to do. but the other side of this, the chair can do that. And I have to say, I mean hats off to our classmates five or six years ago that decided to make this class gift what it is um, to have the foresight. you know this was pre, Solar winds hack. This was pre-cyber warfare, like w- like well-known cyber warfare, and uh, influencing elections or whatever. Um, you know, our team, our class had the foresight to say this is a critical thing in the next generation battlefield where we need to help the academy train future leaders of character on the importance of cyber, and it's infused throughout all the curriculum. And so, the class of '91. You know we're we're endowing this chair it's in it's in memory of our fallen classmate uh, bill hecker so if you haven't given yet please please um, make any donation that you can um, to the class of 91 uh, gift it's you can go straight to it by by www.westpointaog.org give 291 and that'll take you right there just make a donation so Enough on that, but anyway, that that was one of the purposes of this of this podcast. But as I mentioned, this has become a real labor of love for me and a favorite thing. I have so many classmates that have come up and thanked me for this and talked to me about this. And uh, Rich, you said you've listened to a couple of podcasts, right? So w- which ones have you have you listened to, and what has been memorable to you?
0: You know, I've listened to parts of a number of them. Um, I listened to, uh, of course, my classmate uh, Lori uh, Ryder. Who um, uh, had one on? I don't know. Maybe like six months ago. I don't know. Time flies. Like it's COVID time. No idea. Um, and and of course, Vince decays. And uh, that actually resulted in me kind of reconnecting with Vince after really not seeing him in a in a long time, virtually since graduation. But uh, uh, and have an opportunity to talk to him about some of the things he talked about and and shared experiences and. Um, uh, you know, it's really good to uh, to be able to reach out to someone who you know has has kind of traveled a little bit of the path that that, that I have um, from so you know some of the struggles he's felt, and certainly some of the struggles that I've you know kind of wrestled with on and off over uh, decades, <laughs> without really knowing it. So,
1: so we're going to get into that. I mean, you have bravely shared that you've had uh, your own struggles with depression in you know, throughout your life, and so we'll get into more of those details I think throughout the podcast today. So I, I appreciate your being willing to share that and your vulnerability and uh, it's so important i think for us as a as a community as a class to be able to reach out for one another and be there and you know we may not fully understand uh the circumstances um but we can be there for each other as as best as we can and I, i love the way that vince has articulated i think for us in some of his posts you know here's what you can do here's you know if if you if you don't have firsthand experience with depression, here's what it feels like, and here's what you can do. And I I do really appreciate that perspective from him. Yeah. Um, absolutely. He was a it was so, huge help. So Rich, give me the lay of the land. Where are you living? What are you doing? What's going on? Family situation, what?
0: But let me hear it all. Yeah. You <laughs> really? <laughs> you want all of it? It's a shit show, brother. Um <laughs> no it's okay. Um, yeah, so I, I lived down in, uh, South Carolina. Um, I was on Hilton Head Island for a few years and then moved over to, uh, kind of the May River area, um, down in the low country. So kind of, you know, w- once I left West Point, I spent my whole life in the South virtually. So, uh, kind of feel at home down here. And, uh, but, uh, I, I run a company up in, uh, upstate New York. Uh, actually we do, um, uh, our core business has always been with uh, US military, primarily uh, kind of the top tier SOCOM guys. Uh, we work through, uh, we provide video feed directly down to their eye from ISR sensors around the battlefield. Uh, we do some augmented reality for JTACs. Uh, so they can just look at the battlefield and, and uh, overlay uh, points on top of, uh, uh, of any scenario. So rather than looking down at a map, you know they're actually looking out at the battlefield, and if they see an icon, you know, pop up over here, they can turn their head. It'll tell them uh, what unit, what what uh, what frequency they're on. Or if an aircraft comes up and they look up, it'll tell them altitude, airspeed, and call. Wait, something.
1: so this is this is on their. This is for the operator. This is like an
0: eye. Yep. An yeah, eye. So we, we we mount it uh, directly off their their helmet. We also have the same device, does the same thing, but we clip it onto the back of uh, of NVGs provide that same kind of data that's pretty high
1: speed see i remember i know you have you have been an entrepreneur like too long yeah (laughs) i mean i am that's why i look that's why i
0: look like i'm 80 brother
1: (laughs) (laughs) you i mean so you just been you've been doing it like so this is your company right like you are running.
0: yeah we 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 put it together and we founded the company uh june 15th uh nine years ago and uh you know, really focused on military, and of course, we you know ran into all kinds of crazy budget stuff, and you know that it's a, it's and, and you know, Jamie, I know you you've you've dealt with uh, the military side of things in your past, and uh, it's it's really spiky, right? It's it's got no correlation to uh, traditional, uh, you know, macroeconomic trends, right? It's it's political, it's budgetary, it's all that. So
1: it's well, it, you, it's actually you're blinded to you have no idea. Like uh, yeah. my experience with. When I was supplying lights, the I had the contract for lights to the military, and like, you know, there, there was no correlation at all to demand and.
0: Um, yeah, it's really unpredictable. It's it's, yeah. it's it's pretty painful, especially our space. You know, because we're we're more on the, the the front edge of the technology curve, so we don't really have like program managers and and the like, right? So we're we're working directly with you know guys like CAG and and uh, Dev Group and. Um, you know, the guys on McDill. And so we're, we're, we're working with the, the operators largely. Uh, but there's no, I mean, at, at the time, currently, there's no kind of program management office for head-worn displays or augmented reality uh, or optics. Uh, so it's a, it's a little, you know, weird to kind of navigate, but, and it certainly capture market, right? And I mean, there's only so many, <laughs> top tier your guys out there, and I think we've sold two to every one of them um and and sadly our stuff never breaks so we don't uh, we don't we don't get a lot of repeat uh, repeat business but um but you know a, as a result uh, well it, and that was our hypothesis going in founding the company we had this good military technology we really saw an opportunity in the commercial sector so for about four and a half years last four and a half years uh well not five and a half uh we've been working on a commercial product um, and we really focused on same thing we focus on the military like if, if there's pain points, right? And if you can deliver information to someone in a more efficient way that reduces cognitive load, you know, how can you make really hard jobs or really shitty jobs, you know, less, less shitty? Um, and, you know, we really focused on warehousing and this was before the pandemic. The strain on warehousing workers was staggering. You know, they're looking at these long lists, the train up times typically six months. So we decided to take the same approach we took with the military which is only deliver the information they need when they need it. Uh, So we created a system that uh, plugs into their their current uh, architecture, uh, whether it's host device or scanner. uh, And then we just present the information they need at the time. So uh, we were really successful with pilots leading up to January of last year. Um, You know, we were seeing training times come down from six weeks, six to seven weeks, coming down to two and a half hours. So we, we could take a brand new employee and have them working at you know full capacity within two and a half hours. So
1: uh, help, help me understand this. So you warehouse. So you, this is like pick pack ship operations. You've got some of this. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's I, essentially,
0: it's literally 90% of what's happening today. Like fulfillment and and warehousing has gone from, you know, pallets and, and crates to, you know, I need two barrettes and, you know, three, uh, you know, cases of batteries. And so it's, uh, it's really, you you know, obviously kind of the Amazon impact and, and, and all that and the pandemic just crushed these guys. I mean, I think Amazon ended up hiring somewhere around 700,000 workers trying to deal with the pandemic. And my
1: brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is one of those workers.
0: He took a job with that, uh, with Amazon. It's, it's, it is a tough place to work, man. That's well, it, brutal. You know, I mean, these guys, you know, these, these, these men and women are, you know, walk around, there's tons of pressure, right? They, they feel the pressure, especially during the pandemic, just from a societal standpoint, you know, everyone's, all of us get to sit at home while they're, you know, killing themselves, trying to get us, you know, a, a thing of toilet paper. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was a lot of stress and it was something that we wanted to address to, you know, make, make this job easier. So, um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. Some of our studies, uh, we would ask them, you know, was it comfortable? Yes. You know, did you, were you able to you know, figure it out right away? They're like, yep, right away. Is it slowing you down? And they would say, yeah, absolutely slowing me down. And we'd go look at the data, and they were picking 10 to 15% faster than they were before. But because it was, it reduced so much like mental stress, they just thought they were working at half their rate. So, so we were really happy with that. Um, unfortunately, COVID hit. Uh, we, we launched the product with our partner, Zebra Technologies. We developed their HMD solution. We launched in January. Um, we had uh, gone out to CES, and then we went to uh, uh, NRF out in, uh, uh, out in New York. Are those yeah.
1: trade shows happening like now? Like, like in they're just
0: no. I mean, we've had a couple. You know, I've and and it's 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 really hard, right? You, you have these trade shows and it's all Zoom calls and I think
1: know, AUSA they didn't let they didn't let military into AUSA, right? Or no, something. and
0: and 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 uh, and SOFIC the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, you know, that was completely closed and it was virtual.
1: Where is that at?
0: that's in Tampa, Tampa every year in May. That's our that's our big show, really. We, yeah. we typically demonstrate all our new technology to to that community there. And um what a you
1: know, I had I got a chance to I had dinner with um Tony Thomas, who is the uh four star. We should, by the way, we should mention our classmate, yeah. Johnny Braga.
0: Johnny Braga. Braga,
1: third star, he is gonna be commander of USASOC, US Army special operations community that's the three-star general he is going he is a three-star general pinning it on the middle of uh august and he'll reports to the his direct report is to the jsoc commander which was tony yeah. thomas at the uh, 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 long time ago yeah. but tony thomas um oddly enough went to my high school he was the previous he was the previous one to west point before me so i was so so
0: so so at least your high school had one
1: success yeah exactly right what a (laughs) huge disappointment um, that i I turned out to be and so um he uh, he told me that like you know like he he he, you know kind of like in an un um like sort of unofficial way he was like i hate going to those things i hate going to you know um uh, AUSA, I hate oh. the trade show. everybody's like trying to snap a photo, like you holding something, you know, you like you're holding some, some device and boom, it's going right into their annual in report, right into their marketing
0: and everything else. Um, so. Yeah, it's funny. We, I mean, we typically fly, you know, for, for a long time flew under the radar, you know, we knew who our customers were and we didn't, uh, we would show new technology, you know, particularly at, at, at Sofic. It's a, it's a good show and it's a tight-knit community it's not you know in the size of a usa um so you're you're usually working directly with the operators and you're not you know schmoozing with trying to schmooze with the with the generals and, and and the like so um yeah so it was a good show it's a it's a shame that we've we've missed out on it uh for so long but um you know hopefully things start right we're getting the there way. man we're close i was at the beach today you wouldn't even know there's covid going on i mean yeah, there's. well you know I've been in South Carolina the whole time. You barely noticed what was going on down here the whole time. So really? uh, not entirely true. Like everyone was really disciplined about mass and stuff, but we pretty much left restaurants open. Um, you know, they, they took a bunch of seating out and did a bunch of different things. But, uh, but of course I work in New York and that, that was completely different. That was yeah, it's
1: like, the time that you, you commute from South Carolina to New York weekly, right? That's yeah. Like- well,
0: I mean, certainly before COVID I did. Right. Um, I was taking about 140 flights a year um, pre COVID and, uh, post-COVID I you know I think I've cut it down to maybe 60 or 70 but uh, uh, yeah so I, I, I typically leave every Monday morning and uh, come back uh, Thursday night uh, and uh, yeah but I've been doing that my whole career you know was a I was a consultant before um, you know I've uh, invested in a handful of companies where I travel every week to go to go see them and uh, so I you know pretty I was pretty accustomed to the travel but uh, not necessarily thinking I was going to do it this long so uh, it was a little a little, little hitch in the road there.
1: How many folks you have up in New York?
0: Uh, so we only have about 18 people and, you know, we're really thin from a uh, overhead standpoint, right? It's, it's pre- predominantly engineers and, and and technical manufacturing people. Um, and and our engineers are, you know, I, yeah, I'm not just throwing this out there. I mean, they're, they're the best engineers in the country uh, for what they do. Um, so it's a, it's a great group of folks. Um, we think we'll probably double to triple that uh, number here in the next year or so, um, going through a cap raise and negotiating some additional contracts. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's a startup. Uh, it's a nine-year-old startup, uh, which is aged me like dog years. Um, but it's, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited about where we can take this. And we're, we're really happy, you know, with the, with the commercial um, implications that, you know, we can, we can provide to people. So it's a, uh, it's a good time for us.
1: I imagine when you're up there in New York too, you're able to just like, it's game on, you could just work like 12 hour days. And, you yeah, know, yeah. I was talking to our classmate, um, Jim Rockwell, yeah. At Holly's. Uh, what a great time that retirement was, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it really it was. was. Yeah, it was. It we was should great. talk we, about
0: that. If the, uh, you know, if the reunion wasn't going to go, that was a fantastic sub- mini substitute for it. And uh, yeah. the, West, the West were, you know, awesome hosts. And uh, it was really. It was great. Really I remember
1: you and I shared just a moment. Like you walked out, you're just kind of sitting outside in the Highland Falls area. And I went out there and we were just outside. And because this was the after party that went on and yeah, was a
0: Southgate South, yeah. Southgate
1: uh, uh, bar or something it's completely taken over by everybody from her retirement. And they were singing Sweet Caroline and we were we, like, it, you could hear it like all the way at Thayer Gate from. <laughs>
0: down like down range and, uh, and uh, I and they might have been carrying holly on a chair at that point too. oh uh, yeah it was
1: just it was a, such a wonderful experience such a great time but so jim rockwell um like you has a business he's an he's an entrepreneur he bought into this business and he lives in denver but the business itself i think is in the mountains so yeah. he goes up there for four 10-hour days they just crank out like Work four days, work their ass off, and then come back for three day weekends. And it was fascinating to just hear his uh, story. And I really think, like one of the and and for many of our classmates that are transitioning out of the army, they may consider this, you know, at some point. But experience, like uh, uh, growing up in the military or having experience in the military, it makes you it makes you entrepreneurial. You have to think on your feet a lot. And it, it did. I think there's a unique skill set that's developed that really helps you. And so, Rich, uh, so uh, Jim Rockwell was just talking about like how he was solving these what, what were complex problems for this business, which was simple problems for him. Just just using like just just basic like you know logic, that um, problem solving logic, and and that was uh, it was pretty interesting to hear his perspective on things. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I.
0: I, uh, didn't really work, um, out in, you know, corporate America for very long before I went out on my own. Um, but I found for me, it was, it was more around decision-making, you know, I would, I would, uh, I would just, I, I was a consultant for uh, about four years and I just, it, it would just drive me crazy. I, I couldn't stand watching these people not make a decision. And, you know, I, I would all say, I'm like, look, and not making a decision is making a decision. And so you got to weigh that against, you know, what you think the best and worst cases are, but, you know, um, so that would drive me crazy. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what I found, you know, going on my own, you know, be able to take all the information you have, you know, very quickly and and, and make a decision quickly uh, and, and and moving forward. And, you know, you're going to get a couple wrong here and there, but it's it's a hell of a lot better than kind of sitting on your heels and waiting things for For things to happen to you especially when you're you know especially when you're running a small company or you know a startup like ours um it's 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 really about kind of thinking rapidly under stress right (laughs) which is not very different than uh you know tell me what's on the front page of the new york times
1: yeah indecision kills right on the battlefield and and in business too like just you're bleeding cash that's what i used to always i still talk about this is like every minute that we don't do something is a minute that we are spending money on payroll, on utilities, or like it's just all just you're, we're just burning it right here. So we like. Yeah, it's painful. I I also think about it. so many times I'm in meetings and I'm just looking around the meeting, figuring out how much people make, how much we're paying per minute for this meeting, and saying is this like is this the highest and best use of
0: of our time? Yeah, I mean that's I mean there, there's two other things, right? I mean one thing that I always brought with me that I I, I currently you know, have worked with with my team. I mean, I'm fortunate in that um, we have never lost a person in my company in nine years. Um, And, you know, one of the things that uh, we that I've taken from the military is is kind of this idea of commander's intent, you know, empowering your folks to make decisions um, as long as they know the, the overarching intent. And, you know, in the beginning, every single thing was asked to do like everything I couldn't, I mean, people wouldn't buy, you know, $5 worth of, uh, you know, electrical. Um, And so it it takes a while to kind of form that culture, but you know, one, it empowers them and, you know, two, it it gives them some confidence. And it's really a a really easy metric. You know, if they end up making the wrong decision, you look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, that was my intent. We, we, (laughs) I would have made the same decision. So let's, let's move on and, and drive forward. And, you know, you find, you know, when you're, working with a lot of really smart people, uh, the more you can put into their hands, um, if they can handle that responsibility, the better it is. So if you can just drive direction and, 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 you know, find yourself not having to micromanage everything, because that's really what kills you. And I mean,
1: you know, it's,
0: it's, it's always like that in the beginning. It was like that probably for the first two or three years. Um, but now it's, uh, you know, it's remarkable. You know, they, sometimes I get upset. I'm like, Hey, I just want to, tell me what was going on over there. And they're like, well, you told me, unless the burning, the building was burning down, <laughs> don't bother with it. Just, you know, drive on. So, uh, it, you know, again, it's another big thing. I, uh, I, I took away, I think, uh, as I've, as I've gone out and, and been an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. You know, um, this is kind of a non-sequitur, but uh, going back to the Jim Rockwell thing, uh, cause so Jim, Jim mentioned to me that he's reading his book and I, he told me a little bit about it. I bought it. I got, I just got sucked into it. It's awesome. It's called the hardest place. (laughs) And it's about our 17 years in Afghanistan. And it follows several of our classmates are mentioned throughout this book, but it closely follows the story, the, the career of Joe Ryan, general Joe Ryan who's uh, just recently took over as division commander for 25th ID. Um, and so Jim Rockwell, who was in the Ranger Battalion, who he, you know, the other Jim Rockwell was able to jump, he got to jump in in, in France uh, in, in the 50th anniversary of, uh, of DA. Oh, and that's- he scaled the wall of Point du Hawk. He, he, like, you know, they, they, they do a replay of, of Point du yeah. Hawk. He did that. Dude, I mean, crazy. that is unbelievable. That he you didn't tell experience. me that, dude. Rock, what's going on, man? That what an experience. Him, he and DA Sims both did it together. Wow, that is insane. That's amazing. So I imagine that for Jim, Jim Rockwell, who has served directly with these same people that are many of them profiled in the book, it's an interesting for me reading this book. And I think about you know Kenny Mintz, who had, and by the way, who just retired a couple of weeks ago. I went to his retirement. It was awesome. He was commander of one three two chosen. You know, tenth mm-hmm. mountain. Um, and, you know, battalion commander. I mean, these guys went through so much, so much and, and um, the, the their careers and just kind of like, like Joe Ryan was in and out from, you know, a um, as a, you know, a young major to battalion commander to being on, on division staff, being a special operations community advisor and, you know his his story of being there and us now leaving in Afghanistan is like a as I mentioned at the outside of this podcast, it, 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 I, I just think a lot about like what's happening here. We have 30 years. We're at it where we're all like our classmates are retiring. We spent all this time in Afghanistan. now we're leaving. What does that actually mean? Um, I think th- this book really helps to put a lot of this in perspective. I think the one thing that I take away from this is that technology has gotten so much better that yeah. we now can engage the enemy at the same level we could without having to have, you know, boots on the ground in these, you know, in the Pesh in the Pesh Valley and the, you know, the, uh, the Cornigal and and um, so. There's a lot more that we can still do. I mean, those guys basically held the enemy and kept them from being able to, um, to be able to launch attacks on U.S. soil during that time frame. And now we're able to still do that. I think with with better use of technology. That's 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 what I think. What part of the moral of that story is? Yeah. I mean, I
0: I, I think we hope so. I mean, clearly it's come a long way. I mean, the the you know the special op guys that that we work with directly, and we build a lot of custom. Solutions for them to be able to do their missions. Um, it's it's insane uh, the the amount of data they're processing, particularly the the, the JTAC community, which is Joint Tactical uh, uh, Air controlling. These guys are Air Force Special Forces guys, assigned with everyone from you know the CAG slash Delta Force guys all the way down. The amount of information that they're processing every second is 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 just amazing. Um, you know, even I used to. I, I think it's crazy now, you know, we, when, I, when I, I, I was an aviator and I uh, flew car uh, warriors and uh, you know, we had three or four radios going at every time and you know, you know, lots of information and, and it seems like it's just a fraction of, of what these guys are uh, processing on a, on a uh, second by second, minute by minute basis. Um, and it's all because of technology. It almost becomes too much um, sometimes. It's one of the things we've worked on is kind of decluttering All the data um you know having too much data is a problem as well uh but yeah it's i i agree with you i mean i just i just question you know uh, as as you as you pull out and you you know have these villages that have been uh supporting u.s forces for for years and years due to uh you know do the hard work of you know state department guys and and uh u.s forces on the ground village by village um it's uh it's it's a little concerning to me that uh you know, suddenly they'll, they'll, they'll be uh, considered, you know, supporters of the U.S. and, you know, things could, things could go south. So, um, you know, it'll, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough call, right? No, no, nobody knows, but, uh, you know, hopefully the uh, Afghan forces, have you know, they certainly have been, you know, receiving training for a long time from, you know, some of our top guys, and uh, hopefully they can um, you know, fill that gap and allow us to use, you know, the technology we do have to support them, not necessarily do it for them.
1: Well, kudos to you and your team. I mean, you still get to support them and be connected to some degree. And I think that's, uh, you know, the technology advantage is is what's going to be the, 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 the the critical differentiator for us going forward. Yeah, so totally agree. Um, so, uh, so, so. Take me back to uh, to pre pre West Point timeframe, 1987, uh, or earlier. Like, what what made you interested in at yeah. West Point? I I, you're, I know that lacrosse is a big part of your a big part of your life growing up, and getting recruited to play lacrosse must have been huge. So, give me that story. Tell me how that all went down.
0: Yeah, you know, I was I was. Uh... Really, more into football, um you know. Earlier, going into high school, and 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 didn't even pick up lacrosse till I was in ninth grade. Really, uh, yeah.
1: So you played it, lacrosse at West Point, and you didn't do any of this, like,
0: you know, elite camp old, stuff. None. none of that. Seven, seven year old, six year old, and we we had those around us. I just, you know, at at the time, it wasn't something that. Um,
1: and you grew up in Syracuse. Is that where you're from?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, West Genesee at the time was, you know, by far the leading program in the country. And these guys were playing on this place called show park from the time they were like four years old. So, I mean, they were just like breeding lacrosse players. Um, But yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, pick up a stick. I mean, I, I, you know, kind of played around a little bit, but I didn't pick up a stick until I was in ninth grade and it was kind of ironic. Actually, it's, it's one of those things I, I joke with people about, I'm like, you know, we stress so much about these big decisions, uh, but we don't know what these little decisions in our life uh, do. And the night <laughs> that i went to play lacrosse i was actually waiting for a friend of mine dennis wagner who uh, who actually ended up going to the naval academy a couple of years after me but uh i was going to go row crew in the spring because i thought it would be a good you know kind of fitness thing for football and he came to my door to pick me up for the crew meeting and i said hmm, "No, i'm going to go to lacrosse meeting and i and he's like all right i'm leaving he left and i ran to the high school no idea why I said it. Uh, it was just a total last minute thing, right? Uh, went up there and picked up a stick and started playing and really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it, it suited me, the the aggression and the, the, the you know, physical part of it. And um, yeah, I just, I, I fell in love with the sport, but it was an absolute last minute decision. I didn't even, <laughs> I don't even know why I did it.
1: <laughs> what did you play? What position?
0: Uh, so, uh, you know, I actually started out as a midi. I was a uh, middie and uh, a guy and then, uh, my, my freshman year. Um, so I got, like, I got pulled up to JV for some reason. Um, but I was still playing MIDI. And, uh, as I was a freshman, our seniors, uh, got suspended from the playoff games because they, uh, all skipped school on the you know, senior skip day or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so like, Hey Rich, uh, we need a defenseman. Like I've never played defense ever, like not, you know, close to, you know, long stick defense like, well, we need one. So here I am like a freshman playing in upstate New York, you know, against, you know, West Genesee and Fayetteville, Manley is these really good schools. And uh, just thinking, wow, these dudes are going to run all over me. But uh, yeah, so so I I loved it. Um, I kind of was reticent to play defense. But uh, did you uh, in high school, did you
1: play against any future teammates that you would have on the army lacrosse team?
0: Um, you know, I, I played against, uh, I did, uh, a friend of mine, I there was a thing called, uh, Empire State Games when I was young, that was kind of like a New York state, you know, tri-state Olympic thing. Uh, and I, I played with some guys, uh, who they, they all, well, many of them went places. So, um, you know, guys who went to Virginia, Maryland, um, I played against a guy named Johnny Goodwin, who was, was, was my, uh, my teammate. Uh, and ironically, uh, Joe Alberici, who's the, the head coach at West Point now, he, he always introduces me as the guy that used to beat the crap out of him because I used to play against him uh, at, at Auburn High School. He was at Auburn High School. I was at Liverpool. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, he goes on to uh, to great things. He was uh, he was a uh, assistant coach at Duke and then moved on and took over the program. And he's he's really a fantastic coach for those guys. I mean, he's he's a huge asset to uh, to that group. We're really lucky to have him.
1: How about Roe? Roe's uh, from up yeah. that area, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't really know Roe uh, that well. And, and bear in mind, he was uh, a year or two ahead of me because he ended up going to the prep school. Uh, right, right, bit, right, Yeah, but Roe Ro played at, uh, at West Jenny. And uh, of course there was uh, a handful of other folks in that area. Our team was, and there's a guy named John Barry that uh, was a couple years ahead of me that um, I played with. But our team was pretty pretty heavy on the Long Island crew. A few guys from Maryland. Um, but there weren't, weren't a lot of us. Uh, 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 Greg Wilcox was a guy that I played against in high school who ended up coming to the to, uh, to Army as well and graduated with us. Um, but uh, there weren't a lot of upstage guys, to be honest with you.
1: You know, it's fascinating. We talked a little bit on the pre-call about this too. And this kind of harkens back to Holly West's retirement speech, which I thought was awesome. Um, yeah, that was great. You, and 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 uh, by the way, her, how about her kids singing the national anthem? No, it's ridiculous, sh- the,
0: the, Von, the, Von, the Von West, Von West family. I, I actually pull Holly aside. You know, at the uh, when we we're out at the 49er Lodge, and I'm like, "You realize all of us hate you, right?" And yeah. Why'd you say that? I'm like, "Because we all feel like crappy parents now."
1: Thank you. Sean, Sean Crowley turned to me after after that after that after they sang the national anthem, all four of them, they were beautiful. Yeah. He turned to me, and goes.
0: Those select kids better get their shit together. <laughs> right, right. I know it was ridiculous. unbelievable. She, she, she posted that. She posted it somewhere. And I've 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 actually watched it a couple more times. Oh man. Was, so thinking yeah. if I was just caught up in the moment or not. But yeah, no, they were they were great. It was phenomenal. So I'm sorry to digress, yep. but so she, she
1: talked in her in her retirement speech this concept of tribes that she has she 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 found herself identifying with these different tribes. There was like the tribes of, of the class of 91. There's the tribes of the, um, women's Socrates and there's the tribes of army wives and army moms. And, you know, and so it it is kind of an interesting situation that you are in this tribe, this lacrosse tribe. So there, there were three grades ahead of you and three grades behind you. And, and so, you know, all these all these teammates. Uh, you played all four years, right? Uh,
0: I did. Uh, I except for a little trouble I got in you know,
1: first uh, year. But you were sitting those hours, yeah. as I recall, right? We'll, 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 we'll get into yeah. that, that. Oh that, yeah, uh, that slug. Yeah. It's <laughs> but like, how would you how would you describe the the lacrosse tribe? Like like what what like what is what is the um, uh, you know the the. That, how would, how would you describe it? Like what, what is the culture of, of that lacrosse tribe?
0: Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think uh, even now, um, you know, the culture changes kind of continuously as, as, you know, time advances, but, you know, when I was there, um, you know, I always felt, uh, you, you know, some of your classmates would give you crap, you know, for being a, 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 a core squad athlete. And you're somehow getting over, right? And, and meanwhile, I was probably getting hazed harder as a freshman uh, from from the seniors and juniors on our team than anything that I experienced in the barracks. Um, but at the same time, it was you know a different a different form. It was you know it's definitely a lot of love, a lot of protection. Um, and uh, I mean, honestly, to to this day, they're still my you know my very closest friends. And, uh, and in fact, you know, one of my best friends, obviously, was. Uh, uh, Billy O'Brien, who was actually my roommate on most of our away trips in lacrosse and our, our lockers were right next to each other uh, the whole time we played. And OB, um, who is my,
1: who is my company mate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah. And then he started dating my sister in my senior year. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm.
1: that's got to be an interesting
0: uh, dynamic. Yeah. So, but he finally asked my, uh, he asked my dad to marry my sister. He's like, you better talk to Rich brother so uh so he did he came up to my barracks and asked me i'm like oh, i'd rather have you marry her than have to kill you wait wait wait, wait <laughs> they got engaged at west point yeah they, they got engaged in the, the spring of uh, our senior year a first in- the year i don't th- i don't yeah. remember that being i mean Ritz- well they didn't get married right away so he was a um uh or i, I can't remember yeah Repress. yeah so he was he was a ga for for the lacrosse right, assistant yeah. uh so they got married i I was, I was still in flight school. So they got married within a year or so after graduation, but not immediately, so.
1: I don't, so he was, um, he was in Company F1. He's one of the characters of Company F1. Sure, uh, I remember- you guys, had, you guys
0: had quite the crew, right? Well, we like had- Lemo and yes. Brent, Brent Bourne. Bourne Dog, yeah. You guys Sean had, Crowley. You guys, had a, you guys had a great company. I mean, we, we had, it, had, it, I love my company mates, but man, you guys like really scored. <laughs> we had quite a few lacrosse players too. So we had Roe, we had OB, Sean Crowley,
1: Sean Crowley. Moose George played for a little bit. Yeah, he did.
0: Um, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he was in F1. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so we we had um so one of the things that one of the cultural things that I remember about the, the lacrosse team is that your academic <laughs> records were were less than stellar, right? The the um the lacrosse team probably had a and so yeah. when B- Billy OB first a year, he applied himself like, like, like you wouldn't believe he was so yeah. focused on academics and he made the Dean's list and he was so damn happy. He was like, because yeah. same, same,
0: same thing happened to me my senior year. Oh, you, you made Dean's list also. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. He made Dean's oh, list. Billy, Billy spent, Billy had a lot of extra time in school because I'm pretty sure he went to summer school every year, but uh yeah uh, yeah and, and now of course he's you know incredibly successful and uh, moving tons of money around so i'm like wow he's the, the, the best guy. yeah he's great he's a great guy and i mean you know obviously he's still like so i do recall he had an
1: interesting transition so we should talk about transition also at some point we'll okay. get this in, in your story but i remember so he i he might have served six or seven years or something he he, he was a. Uh, he was a captain when he got out
0: yeah he yeah because he had a year there at west point and then he um i'm not sure what rank he was when he got out but he you know obviously then he went to Fort sill and then i know he spent at least three years or so uh he he, he might have gone somewhere in between no i think he spent three years in germany and i want to see phil finished up in uh, fort carson colorado like right ridiculous that i don't know that but i the, the core of his um, his military experience was, was in Germany.
1: And he works in financial services. And as you mentioned, he's very successful and he's, you know, got a great, great yeah, setup. He's... But his first, his first job, uh, I guess somebody asked him to go get coffee or something like go, go, like, go bring the coffees to everybody. And he was like, <laughs> motherfucker, don't you know, don't you know who I am? <laughs> you know? And it was a little yeah. bit of like, it was a little bit of a, of an ego, like deflator, like here I am, like, I'm going to get coffee. And I was just, you know, recently, you
0: know, right. calling in airstrikes. But putting, you know? Yeah. Putting rounds down range and yeah. you know, protecting the fill the gap. Right.
1: Yeah. But, but then, you know, I guess like it's, there's always, there's a little bit of this imposter syndrome and this transition. and There's, there's some humbling, like, you know, everybody's got to do a few things that are maybe they would say like, you know, not the typical role of what you would have been as a senior military officer or whatever, but you just do it. You just grind through it. You know, we, we stood on our heads for four freaking years trying to get through West Point. We could do right. something else like
0: that too. Yeah, yeah i pretty sure if I can look listen to some little squirrely guy telling me he's going to kick my ass for an entire year, I can probably get through anything else. Well, listen, I'm
1: quite certain too, as an entrepreneur, you've had to eat several shit sandwiches. Oh right yeah. <laughs> I know
0: that. It's all about the condiments, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you got to eat um, shit, don't, yeah. you know, don't don't. I had a little bit of a tough transition, right? I I left and I went. to I, I was planning on staying in. I was um, in the process of assessing with uh, with one sixtieth. My my commander, who kind of became my mentor, was the Task Force one sixtieth commander during uh, during Somalia. Um, and we we became really close. I ended up being his uh, his nighttime battle captain uh, on his brigade staff, and really liked him. And he kind of mentored me into I was going to go be a, a comptroller, uh, go to the Syracuse University program for a year and a half. And then I was going to be a comptroller for 160th for about a year. And then I'd make major and uh, take another command. So I was really excited about it. And then that, that's when PERSCOM changed their policy where if you, you got sent to advanced civil schooling, you had to single track that for the rest of your career. Uh, and that, that's when I kind of threw up my hands. I was, you know, I was, I just, I thought it was ridiculous. You know, I, the, the, the whole selection process was around leadership and what uh, we did. And, and they're like, well, no, you can't go back into an operational role. And I'm like, you guys are all insane. I'm, I'm out, I can't take it. Um, so I, I did go to business school, but I, I had planned on staying in. Um, and so my transition was really tough my first uh, year. In fact, I called my old commander who was working at 160th and said, look, I think I screwed up, man. Like, I just can't deal with these people. Um, this was is your a- consulting? No, this is just when I was in business school. Uh, so you went
1: to... Through- did you go to cornell, cornell? I did, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah did and you, i remember ivy, like ivy leaguer man look at you right i mean, look at look i shaved i shaved my beard a couple of weeks ago thank god uh, remember, yeah at the hillbilly look um yeah so well, how many years were you in how many years were you inactive
1: uh or in the active army
0: I was uh, seven years active and while I was at Cornell, I did two more in the reserves in the national guard, Um, but that was, that was, that was tough. And it was uh, a little bit of pain, but I, you know, I wanted to keep involved um, Mm -hmm. and plus I wanted to fly a little bit more. So, Mm. Um, and, and, and it was a good experience and it it gave me something to kind of look forward to. I didn't feel like I was really fitting in with um, a lot of the folks at Cornell, not nothing against them, but, I just didn't understand the way they thought about stuff.
1: <laughs> were you going, wait, so were, were you living up there? Like living in? Uh, yeah, I lived,
0: yeah, I lived right in Ithaca.
1: Ithaca, um, yeah. yeah. That's a neat little town. I was, I was up there a couple of times, looking at schools and my kids.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. And it was a great experience. And it was, it was a really good program for me because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, people were talking about fields that I just didn't even know what the hell they're talking about. They're like, are you interested in investment banking? I'm like, I don't know what investment banking is. Um, so, so were so, you
1: married at this point?
0: I was, Yep. Yeah. I, I was married um just a few years before I got out. I'd been married probably for two years when I got okay. out. We went up there together. No kids at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, you know, it was a great experience for me. Like I just couldn't understand why everyone was so stressed out all the time. And uh, you know, I I'd get up at four or four thirty in the morning and I'd do all the work that I had to do and you know, my first class was like 10. So I'd, I'd go to my class from like 10 to two, and then I'd go out and start fly fishing on a river for five hours, come home, do my work in the morning. And meanwhile, people are like, ah. <laughs> no, it's not that bad, really, you would be okay. They're like, I got to get that A plus. I'm like, nah, I'm pretty good with a B. <laughs> so you so you went through cornell
1: business school and then you took a job as a consultant so you're like doing the whole consulting thing flying around doing whatever like yeah focus or consulting or were you doing like
0: entrepreneurship hr or whatever there's there's a a few things i did so i I worked for a firm called mckinsey company and um at the time uh they supported m&a projects and and really didn't do turnaround stuff but i found myself in, in both of those scenarios so uh I I range from corporate strategy, um, primarily in the retail space. Um, But the vast majority of my time was um, supporting acquisitions uh, for, um, you know, I worked on the, and this is publicly available, not that anyone gives a crap about me, but um, I worked on the Keebler uh, Kellogg uh, acquisition. So Kellogg had, had bought Keebler. I spent quite a bit of time. Uh, you know, driving that, I worked on a couple other acquisitions.
1: Like Keebler and Kellogg, like Kellogg, like the cereal, and Keebler, like the cookie <laughs> yeah. company. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Cookies trying to
1: rationalize their supply chain, saying, like, well, you know, if we, uh, if we eliminate these. Uh,
0: well, it's actually different, for- not to bore everyone, but there's only two distribution systems in the country direct store door and non store door. Um, and it's as simple as this Pepsi people deliver their stuff right to the ship, the shelves, right? And right. they get paid by how much they sell. Uh, but uh, Kellogg, they would ship their stuff to nine distribution facilities around the country, and then ship them to the back office of a grocery store, and and be responsible, uh, or or leave the responsibility for the, the store itself to stock the shelves. Um, and obviously, the, the, the former is is much more profitable. Um, Keebler had a direct store door uh, distribution system. Um, you know, Kellogg had things like you know Pop Tarts and things like that. They thought would get a, get a spike. That was part of the job I had to do is figure out how much product we could get through these, you know, 175 distribution facilities, um, and which ones they would be. I had had models that you just push buttons, like pop tart, pop tart swirl, you know, whatever, just to see how it could flow through the distribution network. But it it was a great experience. Me, I I learned a ton. Um, I worked with this guy, Robert Van Brug, who's who's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. I, I think he's actually like the CEO of Sanford Bernstein right now. And he, he recruited me uh, at one point. Maybe I <laughs> missed the mark on that one. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a ton when I was at McKinsey, and I, I certainly was not the smartest guy in the room by far, but uh, you know, I had a colonel once tell me, take the job no one else wants and do it well, um, and that was kind of my approach at McKinsey. I was like, dude, you don't want to get on an m and project. You're going to be working like 21 hours a day, and I'm like, okay, I'm not very smart, but I guarantee I can work 21 hours a day. Uh, And it it's really that's an interesting wait. That's an interesting thought process that this
1: colonel said. Take the job nobody wants and do it well.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Fascinating. Well, because you make you you basically you 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 turn
0: um you turn a lemon into lemonade, right? And you get noticed that way, I guess. Well, and it's you know a lot of times the jobs people don't want, it's like. Like the S four, that's a shit really, job, right? Yeah, you step it's up, really you, hard work, and you're if you your kick ass as an S four, yeah, like in the in the yeah. in the army, right? You get noticed. No one wants that job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that really stuck with me for a long time, and I, I, you know, still carried around to this day. Like, look, if it's a hard job, you know, I, I can't arts. I can't smart anyone, except for maybe Billy O'Brien, my brother-in-law. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who made Dean's this um, first year, second semester. Reddit, yeah. And no, he's a super smart guy. Um, but yeah, I always felt like in, in that, you know, in that company I was with, you know, really a, a lot of really smart people. Um, uh, I, I always kind of felt like I, I'd figure it out. I might have, I might be the only one in the office at four o'clock in the morning, but <laughs> poor associates that used to work with me, they would like bring me in toothbrushes and soap. <laughs> They're like, are you still here? I'm like, all you smart people get to leave at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us nugget through. So, uh, great experience though.
1: That's awesome. You know, I feel like we. So we try to keep it like a like a a rational storyline. Arc for of the story here. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Just, I we, know. Just, we just jump forward by like fifteen years. So yeah, no, Billy O'Brien. So, we were, so the idea is to start with the here and now, we go back to pre-87, we walk with the present day. Well, we just talked about like a lot of the stuff in the middle. Yeah, we got to miss that. Like, pre- Let's pre- finish pre- back about, about lacrosse yeah. and, and the culture of lacrosse and the, the tribe of lacrosse, right? And what that was like at West Point and how that brought you to West Point.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you know, when I was in in high school and playing, um, you know, I I I really needed to do one of two things: either get a job uh, and work really hard to save up money, uh, or get a scholarship uh, to play. I wasn't in a position to uh, be able to fund college necessarily. What, what
1: was the family situation? You're you're you got a kid, you got uh, yeah, I got an
0: older sister, you know, who ended up marrying Billy, and uh, you know, she she was she was in college and. Um, uh, mom and dad, you know, my dad worked full-time, my mom, you know, was a full-time mom, um, you know, and, and we, were, we were fine, but, you know, education expenses are not insignificant, uh, so I, I just made the decision to put all my, all of my, I mean, all, virtually all my energy into, into uh, athletics um, and really kind of pushed myself pretty hard to uh, <laughs> make up all that ground since I didn't start playing until I was in ninth grade. Um, So I, you know, trained pretty much every night and uh, on my own after practice. And, um, you know, I kept up on my studies and and did well enough academically that I I was getting looked at by some, you know, some, some really good schools. Uh, But, you know, finally made the decision to, uh, to go to West Point and it was, uh, it wasn't something that I was necessarily driven to early. You know, I'd obviously watched Army play uh, Syracuse and lacrosse and I knew they were a really tough team and. Uh, they played my style of lacrosse, just, uh, you know, really physical and, uh, and aggressive. So, you know, I, I had an admiration for that, but really hadn't thought about the academy in general. Uh, I went up for a recruiting trip. <laughs> they completely, I don't know how they did it, but they just blinded me from everything. I never saw, I, I saw one plebe, and he yelled, beat Navy, sir. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong with that guy? And the guy that was escorting me was like, I
1: just walked away. Some some guy saying that like, <laughs> running <laughs> around walking that funny way. You won't need to do that. did there like I don't know. No, nah, nah, don't worry about
0: that. Um, but, were the grad
1: assistants there too? Recruited? Like were they part of the whole recruiting process?
0: Um, I wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think of his Rob Hoyes. I can't remember who the grad assistant was when I was there, and I did see him, but they wasn't. They weren't strong in the recruiting process. I ended up staying with a guy named Danny Williams, who was a senior, who's probably one of the best best defensemen Army's ever had. Was Williams. it? he was just, a beast
1: so your brother-in-law uh billy o'brien who was a grad assistant but didn't there something happen where they had a party or something and like somehow like they um they had recruits at a party
0: or something and oh that was yeah i think uh, we probably shouldn't tell that story i don't know <laughs> yeah I, you know i never got the full story and and we kind of have a policy like if you don't need to know maybe i just shouldn't tell you.
1: well i i will listen i i don't i don't want to talk out of school <laughs> here it's probably 30 years ago but I, I think that back in the day, the grad assistant's job was the, get, get these kids interested in West Point, Show minimize, me minimize the bullshit they got to do, maximize yeah. the fun they're going to have. And yeah. I think that was part of the mantra of the grad assistant job back, well, back in I, I the
0: day. Well, cer- I think it certainly was with, with lacrosse and, and probably hockey. I don't know about the, uh, the rest. And of the Again, course.
1: I think lacrosse and hockey, very similar cultures, right? You probably yeah. you know, like this kind of, and rugby too. Yeah, rugby, right? I think. Uh,
0: you yeah. Know, and, you know, like, when you when you were talking about tribes before, you know, I remember talking at uh, uh, at uh, Totes uh, at funeral and, uh, you know, I, I didn't really I mean, I knew a lot of people there, but they weren't, you know, in my direct tribe right at at uh, at, at, uh, at West Point. Um, but it was interesting because I, I kind of <laughs> sound like a total geek. Um, but I really look at West Point to me and, and the alumni and, and our classmates and the people in the years around us, It's kind of this Venn diagram, like everybody had this kind of core central group that they, they really formed to, whether it was their company mates or, you know, an activity they did, or, you know, in my case, you know, it was lacrosse and, and my company, but there was always some overlap, right? So, you know, became, you know, I, uh, you know, became best friends with, uh, with Tommy McTeague. Um, just through, you know, a friend of friend of lacrosse and, and, and those things kind of expanded. But, but when I was at that funeral, I realized like we all just have so much, any one of those people could have been in my core tribe that were, were, were at that funeral. Um, and it, it was kind of a nice feeling to think about, you know, you're really blessed with, you know, a number of friendships when you're there that are, that are just unending and, and, you know, you know these people will do anything for you and you'll do that for them. Um, but it was a really nice experience to kind of look around that room and be like, yeah, there's, you know, I think I've got 10, I think I have probably 500 and I just, you know, you just don't know it.
1: Yeah. I think that's the beauty too, of, of this experience of, of being where we are in life, you know, that we get to reconnect now the way that we have. I mean, of course we don't want funerals to be the the reason to reconnect. We've got reunions and other things and, yeah. Uh, technology is enabling enabling us to do it and taking advantage of retirements and whatnot um, as happy opportunities to reconnect but this is you know life is for living in the yeah in in, in the words of uh, Kenny Mintz who I who I who I'd love to uh, I love to connect with you know life is for living and that's what we're gonna do and that's what it's all about
0: yeah and you know we've got a great you know Great group of, of folks around us. So, um, and it's, you know, it's been evidence throughout my life. You know, even if you don't see someone for a long time, you know, those would be the same people that turn around and drop everything for you if you need it. And, you know, we've all been in those situations where we've had classmates who have, you know, like gone through a struggle or done something. And like, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, people saying, like, dude, like, people don't do this. Like, of course they do. <laughs> like, this, this is what family does, right? And that's what it feels like. It's It's more family than. Uh, than just a friend it's just obviously so much deeper than that right
1: so on this concept of tribes right we talk i just coincidentally of the several female classmates that i've interviewed four of them have been soccer players right holly west tracy fisher beach saxie um there's one more i think um oh uh becky canis and so they talk about the esprit de corps of the women's soccer team and they talk about like this walking down to the river courts as being this experience that they, that they could, if they could go back, they would do that thing. They would walk together down, like that experience back and forth. Now you told me a story at Holly West uh, retirement, when you guys were walking, doing the same walk, walking down to the river courts or wherever you guys would practice for, for lacrosse. And, um, and there was a, there was a squirrel in a, in a tree, right? <laughs> so all right tell me me this story so you're all there walking with these sticks you have the cross balls going everything you're actually in a
0: semi-formation right yeah no we're all we're all just kind of uh walking out I think we had a I think we had a team meeting maybe we're I I think we were going to the river courts I thought we were going to Eisenhower hall but I think we met in Eisenhower hall went down the river courts it doesn't matter we were walking and and we had a, a classmate that started with us and ended up uh leaving and going to Hobart but his guy name was Tim Delow, man, and he was Tim Delo. I remember him. Was he an A?
1: Was he in A one?
0: I don't know. He wasn't around long, long enough for me to figure out. I he might have been an A one because he was a misplaced A one guy. But so was Robbie Cahill, I think, too. So, um, but they made was, it through. Robbie Kay, Robbie okay. Cahill was also a cross player, right? As yeah. well, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of your culture, yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, what a great group of guys. I mean, it was like totally. We. we we literally did bleed for each other on a number of occasions in some pretty raucous uh, bar fights. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story that, uh, that Billy O'Brien tells, but um, yeah, so we're going down and Timmy Dulo, he could do anything um, except study. Uh, he just couldn't, like he was constantly, you know, him, right. He was, he was just like high energy. He just couldn't focus on anything, but he was an incredible athlete. So we're walking and probably, geez, I don't know. Had to be at least 20 yards away. Squirrel. Wait, comes is,
1: uh, you're, by, you're by Eisenhower, Eisenhower Hall, I think,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Like right, the, right, right over of, by the, right over by the gingerbread house.
1: Right by the Right, 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 where,
0: where, where uh, Chris Hartley lives right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh squirrel pops out and Timmy's like, think I can hit that squirrel? We're like, dude, no way you can hit that squirrel. And he wound up, like he didn't just block. like he wound up and fired a shot and nailed the squirrel. <laughs> went just crossball, ball and we're like and he's like i killed it <laughs> i think i killed it and we all no, went was over the there squirrel in the tree or was it on the ground no it had just come out of the tree and it was just you know kind of scooting across the ground and he just underhanded probably shot, no exaggeration probably shot that ball 90 miles an hour and uh just just sent that squirrel sailing just absolutely devastated it <laughs> everyone on the phone right now is probably like, you sick bastard but i gotta tell you it's the funniest thing i've ever seen <laughs> but so didn't this happen like the squirrel was like uh, convulsing? Yeah, the, squirrel, like, squirrel. all right, you're gonna get you're gonna get the gritty on this. Yeah. So the, the squirrel so squ- is squ- having a hard time, so I can't remember. It might have been Billy. <laughs> so wait. But all I knew there were probably four was guys. So squ- guys cross kids. Kids. you're you're not far away from the
1: soup's house, right? And yeah. you're right there, it's a public area. And yeah. you got this squirrel basically
0: convulsing on the ground after yeah, some yeah, kind of like making these weird noises and convulsing and like just, you know, and you're I mean, like, that, what we... had, you know, it, it definitely had brain trauma for sure. You know, <laughs> stuff coming out of its ear. So you're like,
1: we got to put the squirrel out of his misery, right? I mean, like, yeah, otherwise...
0: so I, all I remember seeing four guys with the cross sticks upside down look like they were trying to dig a grave. There's, just... <clears throat> yeah, put, put that poor little squirrel out of That's his That's so bad. You know, squirrels are rodents though. They are rodents. They're nasty animals. And look, no one in a million years thought he was going to make that shot, you know? And then, then we just kind of felt guilty. We never put him out of his misery. We never told Tim not, you know, to shoot at something again. We're like, yep, nope, we're good. (laughs) He's like, look, a pigeon. No. (laughs) I go, I go,
1: listen, I go ballistic on squirrels every year, man. I got these squirrels, that they, they, like, they nest up in my, like, above my porch in my backyard.
0: You gotta, that, I, uh, you gotta do that. You gotta do that. Sear training, man. Did you go to sear school? You take the pole and you tie it up there with the with the wire. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, they walk through and they get themselves. They hang. They hang themselves. Yeah, yeah, I've got
0: those things all over my yard.
1: I have no. I have the. <laughs> yeah, I don't have those. I have. Um, I have a squirrel trap, and so I trap them and then I relocate them, and then I spray paint them just to make sure that they don't come back. And if you see something come back with an orange tail, then I know that it's from my. But I, I relocate them, I drive them like two and a half miles away. And, you are
0: uh, you're a you're a soft, tender-hearted guy, man. Well,
1: I mean that first if they pass land I now, take them, I
0: kill them, and then no. I hang them on a stick with a little sign that tells all their friends this is a squirrel unfriendly environment. No.
1: My my, my joke is that if they pass land navigation, then I <laughs> then then I give them a swimming test. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Drop them off the 10 meter 40. Yeah. yeah. It,
1: so, well, cool. anyway, so, uh, so, so, so you show up at beast barracks, who was your roommates? Like, give me the whole story of I won. Like, like, what was that? Like you show up here, you're, you're like this, you're like this stud lacrosse player. And all of a sudden you're about to get your ego handed to you by uh,
0: a bunch of firsties. Right. Yeah. I still, I still remember this, um, this female cadet Carolyn, I don't remember her last name ironically, right. Cause that's all we knew. Uh, but she was our, she was our company commander and man, she just, the first day she just railed me. She's, she just, you know, just took me down like 10 notches. Um, but I just tons of respect for her. You know, as I, as I went through, I remember when, you know, she was a senior and it was ring night. Uh, you know, she made it a point to come, you know, chase me down and uh, you know, she was great, but yeah, certainly I came down a notch and you know, here. I thought I was like this super fit guy. You know, I, I spent my whole life, uh, and certainly my whole junior, senior year um, working out virtually every day. And, <laughs> But I never thought of doing a sit-up, so I show up and uh, you know I, I crush the two-mile run, you know I think I you know did hundred or hundred and ten push-ups or something like that, and I go to do sit-ups and these other upperclassmen start coming around me like, what is wrong with you? I think I did like 41 or 30, like 37 or something, right? <laughs> Just a long way from max in the, P, the, the uh, PT test, and man did they tear into me. So they stopped dropping me for push-ups, and they just made me do sit-ups the whole summer. I th- I busted in ten thousand sit-ups that summer. Wow. But yeah, my my roommate was uh, was a guy named Tony Thomas, uh, and he was a great roommate for me because we both like just kind of we didn't you know consider everything a joke. We'd try to make everything funny, uh, even to the point where one night we just decided that we were going to go on a mail run uh, while all the upperclassmen were outside, and uh, it wasn't good enough for Tony that we were getting yelled at the way, so he intentionally flipped his hat his hat off. And of course, it just the shit rained in on us, right? Just tearing us apart. We went, and got mail. We got mail for our classmates because you know a bunch of them were like, no, I don't want to go, but if you can go to my mailbox. And we got back, and Tony was just laughing so hard. I'm like, dude, there's nothing funny about that. I just got hazed for a half hour. Dude. Like, there's nothing funny about that. He was a great guy. And
1: Alex Rogers yeah. want to know if that was Carolyn.
0: Carolyn Moore was your company. Yeah, category. Moore. Yeah. Carolyn Moore.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she was great. She. She kept- I
1: finally just got, I get like a burst of comments from our class. We have a bunch of classmates that are on, on the line listening. No, and it was like, I, I couldn't see them for a while. Now I can see them all. Like Kami Ayanako is on. Oh, okay. Gina, yeah. Uh, Prince lucky lucky
0: last year, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, and uh, and Lori Ryder was, uh, was you know, obviously in our in our company. And, and she, was, she was a pistol because she was like true Southern cowgirl, right? She was she, a heat magnet. She was, a heat oh, magnet. man. And, and she was so like you know i don't know she was so laid back about everything but yeah i mean she just she was definitely- who, else, who else were the heat magnets in your and i and i won uh i was uh, a, a little bit um uh tony was uh this is about it really like we we managed to attract uh, a lot of attention how about bev? how about was bev edwards was she i won yeah she was and she was great i don't i don't think she really um I mean, no, no, no less or no more than the rest of us really. But, uh, no, she, she, she wrote a pretty, you know, firm line. Uh, she was, she big. was great.
1: She lived across the hallway from me first a year. We, we, she was great. She and Lisa, Lisa Buzzkirk. Yeah. Were, yeah, yeah. They were, they, that was it. That was it. That was a cool first of year having them across the hallway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember a lot of that because I was, you know,
1: cause stuff. you're, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we should talk about that too. So first a year, you, um, you got a little bit of uh a little bit of a, pickle there with the administration right?
0: I did yeah followed my uh followed my senior year so I was pretty sure I wasn't going to graduate um in fact when I left in December my TAC officer told me just to go ahead and pack up all my stuff because he didn't think you know
1: because bro- you end bro- up with a soups board
0: yeah I was supposed to have a soups board and uh and meanwhile I'm just doing my time I think I had I think my my slug was 125 hours for that one and, uh, and I started to walk them off and then they said, no, it's like a bad example to have, you know, seniors out here. So, uh, they made me sit three hours for every hour.
1: Oh, and that was why you were sitting. It wasn't because you're a core squad. They said it's bad example to have first season. No, in,
0: in fact, um, I made the decision, you know, I talked to my coach and talked to attack and a bunch of other people and made the decision not to play the spring of my senior year. So I could focus on being a good cadet, which was not necessarily my focus before that, um, so yeah, so I, I sat that time, but uh, was fortunate enough to uh, to head out on a spring break. I don't know why they let me go.
1: So wait, hold on, we got to back up a second because right. it's because I was like in your area, like I was, um, like I one was connected to the
0: battalion regimental right. staff, whatever. So I, yep. and Bretton and, Breton and was my yeah. design partner and he was your roommate. First he was year. my roommate, my senior, he was a roommate a couple times, but he was my roommate my senior year. When and I, I
1: remember there. you sitting and being like, I am going, fucking crazy no, that was horrible yeah fucking horrible. <laughs> like, i, I would have uh,
0: walked i would have walked yeah twice those hours yeah like like, like this place in your, in your full dress uniform
1: this like, place is bottling weird. me up like i like this It's getting under my skin this place is getting me going yeah. and so um and and so brett and i were doing computer science and we'd be grinding away and you you were there also and and um so that was my experience pre-spring break now yes. spring break for some reason we had this eclectic
0: connection of all these different people. Yeah, I was, it, was, it was it was it was you, me, uh, Sean Crowley, um, Eddie Bayouth, Eddie Bayouth, Brady Dave Horn, Dave, Dave Romano, Roe was
1: there. Yeah, we had um, there. Tommy Keen
0: from D One
1: <laughs> was there.
0: Yeah, let's well, see. That's that's my Venn diagram, dude. Like it's you know a couple of cross players, the cross players, are good friends at their company, They're, you know company. Was Tommy Keene the cross player? Uh, Tommy started out. Did Tommy try out? I, th- I think he he tried out his 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 uh, his plebe year, uh, and I think he I can't remember if he played JV, but he he only played for a short period. Of so time.
1: that's why he was connected. Was the, he was a lacrosse connector? So. Yeah. Yeah. So but then, then he had we had all had the F
0: one. all the F one. had all the F one guys.
1: Yeah. Right. And so I recall you walked your last hour, or you sat your last hour,
0: like the afternoon that we were flying out on spring break or something. No. No. They they gave they gave us all a, uh, a pause for spring break. So I think I might have like finished I don't know seventy hours, it, but I was walking. When you had to I come back, back, you could still walk more. Yeah, when I came back, I still I still had you know a month or so left. Well, I, mean, I was I was I was uh, I was walking off. They they let us walk off, um, you know, come out of room restriction and walk off your final hours before graduation. So you had I, been cooped I, up. You were cooped up
1: basically since the fall. Um, and this was your, your first, like you, I recall you had rocket fuel in your veins. Like it was, you, you were like every minute you needed to be awake. You needed to be partying. You needed, I mean, it was like, you led, you led, you, you were the, you were the, um, the pace setter for spring break. Well, I'm sorry. And it was a hell of that a pace, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I remember just having a great time. And then, I, you know, I remember like going off to all these places you normally wouldn't go to. If you remember like those Mayan ruins, they have all these signs around here. Do not swim dangerous. And instantly we all like take our shirts off and like dive we in. Swam, we swam so those, in, those in those the tunnels. We, we swam be, in
1: yeah. the pool in the, in the, with a, in the hotel, they had like the little, the little fountain. We're swimming in that too. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> And then we all had Montezuma's revenge. Oh, on the way back. So, so we're all taking turns, like waiting in the bathroom, like like the <laughs> next. It was like it was almost like the scene from um, what's that? What's that show with that uh, bridesmaids show where they're all like
0: the hangover. The hangover?
1: No, 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 no. It's no. not the hangover. It's um with with the with, uh, bridesmaids. Bri- bridesmaids. Yeah, the 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 one is going to the bathroom in the sink, like sitting <laughs> over the sink. <laughs>
0: Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh, we're really going highbrow here. Oh, yeah.
1: And, and we also, we would have, um, we'd eat at the all-you-can-eat $4.99 all-you-can-eat brunch. That's all we would eat. Like, we eat one meal a day. And if we eat, the, yeah. the, like an hour and a half, we'd eat. And that right. was it to
0: the next day. Yeah. The rest of that's money was for was for alcohol. I mean. Yeah, now they call that intermittent fasting and it's smart. Yeah, that's right. We're, we, were we're way, probably, we, were, we were way ahead of our time. Man. Trains, we were trendsetters back then. We we're trendsetters. Yeah. We totally were. yeah, so, have, they, that was that was about the only fun I had my sessions in my right. only
1: fun, so you see, by the way, you see I have like a little bit of a tan here because I was on the beach today. Yeah, I so got a my, bunch of fun too. I have like I have pretty dark skin. Like I have like a little Spanish in me or something. So like I have like pretty for an Irish guy, a very dark complexion. Yeah. And so I was like, I was down there and I was like, listen, man, I'm good to go. I'm just going to basically. You and Romo,
0: you and Romo both.
1: Yeah. So I said, I'm not putting any suntan lotion on. In fact, I'm going to put baby oil on because I'm, I'm about to gonna- get myself a, a really good tan here. Do you remember I
0: got like fried? Like you, you, I- and, you and Romo. I almost <laughs> need to go to the hospital. Like it you know, was Romo so bad. Romo's throwing up. It was so bad. <laughs> you, you both got because Romo's like, nah, you know, he's got his nice dark tan skin. He's like, nah, I'm going to bronze this up a little bit. You know, I'm going to make myself ready.
1: Eddie, Bayes, Eddie Baves you was know. busting our stones about that just recently at uh, Moose at um, at Eddie Eddie's retirement. And uh, all I could do one night was just lay in bed
0: with yeah.
1: its shivers, you know? Yeah, we, like, were, we were dropping
0: old towers on yeah. on Romano and you guys for the whole night. And I'm finding I like, know. you guys are stupid enough. I'm going to bed. I got shit to do in the morning. I know. I, was, I lost like I lost like
1: two days of spring break just recovering from sunburn. I'm so glad. <laughs>
0: uh it was, those a, are good it was times, a good time yeah. yeah it was a beautiful time I, I dug up some old photos from that of the Crowley sitting over trying to sacrifice me on some Mayan platform or something so I gotta I gotta pull those out and uh, oh I got them. a
1: classic photo I wish I could pull it up here I would show it uh, I got a classic photo that um it's it's a bunch of us with drinking the old school cores and my son my son actually um he submitted it as a competition for some old school like Instagram thing, like, like old school. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like kind of throwback
0: or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So All it was, right. That's it was a
1: pretty, pretty wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, yeah, those those were those were great times. So then um we got about I, I want to just gauge the time here. We should be sure. winding this up in another 15, 20 minutes, right? So okay. um, so so West Point, obviously you you kind of get out. A little bit by the skin of your teeth right you're a little bit afraid there might be a soups board but there was some divine intervention that you didn't know about at that time right because like there was there
0: was there was someone who weighed in that uh was um, a lacrosse fan with who is
1: a general officer
0: right with, uh, his, yeah he's a general officer who you know i had um come in contact with only a couple times but uh um the few times that i came in contact with him you know he would you know grab my face mask and tell me i i where we had a, a guy doing some fairly cheap shots in an army navy game and i just decided to have enough and that guy didn't get up and get back in the game and generals started stomping over to me and i thought man i'm in some deep shit he just grabbed me he's like that's what warriors do and just walked away <laughs> so we kind of hit it off but um yeah apparently there was some intervention and you know i was I did everything they told me to do. You know, I was, you know, trying to be the best cadet. You know, I was, you know, I joined as many intramural, you know, teams as I could. And we didn't have a heavyweight boxer. So they were like, well, Rich, you're going to be the heavyweight boxer. I was like, all right, whatever I got to do. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I worked hard and I went through, you know, a bunch of uh, conversations with a lot of people, certainly. But um, yeah, literally the day before graduation, we did rehearsal, my name wasn't on the list. Uh, and it turned out it was just a a fluke but i was freaking out because you know i had my whole family there and i still thought there might be a chance of not graduating like at that point i should have figured i was but of course who the hell knows so yeah so i went up and i was waiting for george bush to like say richard oh wait a second there's an asterisk on this yeah i'm sorry son you're gonna have to go on so uh so yeah that's the picture you posted was you know, we all run down into our classmates' arms, and but I, I snuck off. I thought I was hiding behind this big stack of speakers, and um, I was just kind of overwhelmed, right? And uh, you know, sat down and <laughs> I had a lot, <laughs> I had a lot of thinking to do, and uh, you know, only to find that picture pop up uh, in, in some newspaper the next day. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> picture, right? Yeah, I was a lot better looking back then. <laughs> um yeah but i mean it was it was really emotional for me and i i literally didn't think anyone was around and uh, so i felt a little uh, a little silly afterwards but then i turned around the corner and uh jumped into uh, the arms of all my classmates and had that awesome experience that we all uh probably uh cherish and remember to this day i was ready to be done <laughs> that's an awesome photo that's an awesome yeah. photo yeah. it was a great picture yeah i was i was happy with it
1: so so, Rich, you said, I mean, you throughout your whole life, you've had challenges with um, your struggle with depression, right? Like going back even to West Point, you think that there, there, was, there was kind of a through line here of like challenges that you faced into this. And and I I really do so much appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty in sharing that, um, you know, both in the Facebook post and also talking to us about it tonight. It's important for us to talk about this because, you know, it is something that I think, uh, you know, more than, more than a a couple of us have, have faced into this. And so, um, you know, going back to, you know, the, the gratitude that you showed that, that day of graduation and thinking about like these close calls you've had along the way, what has that been like for you and and how, how might we look to support others
0: that are going through that challenge? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, um, I really didn't face my depression until probably 10 years ago, maybe, um, where I really recognized like, I just thought that's how everyone felt, right? And, and, and depression, you know, for me, it's, I think it's, you know, maybe different for everybody. Um, for me, it was, you know, a combination of depression and anxiety. And when you're going through it, you can't really differentiate the two. Um, you know, with, with depression for me, it, it never, it didn't necessarily have to correlate to something bad happening in my life um, I would, I would describe it to people as it's just dark. You just feel dark, um, and, and, and alone. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough feeling to, to have, particularly, you know, for me, it, it wasn't so much an ego thing, but, you know, my mindset, my whole life, you know, whether it's, you know, playing sports in high school or, or gutting it out through West Point, you know, I think we all have this mindset that, you know, we can work through anything. And like you said, you know, we in four years of, 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 of strife. Right. And you tell yourself, you know, when I was depressed, like this is bullshit, man, you know, get, get the hell up, you know, dust yourself off, stop being such an ass, you know, you're being, you're being weak. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't until after I started um, treating it uh, and, and trying some different things um, where I could start to separate, you know, kind of sadness from anxiety, from depression. Um, and and that first step alone was really something revealing to me because Suddenly, I remembered like I, I had like two days where I didn't feel depressed, and I honestly hadn't felt that way for as long as I could remember. Um, and that's when I really realized that I was I was dealing with something um, my whole life that I just didn't uh, I didn't address. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, you know, I'm sure it came out in some of my behaviors, but it was one of those things that, you know, like like all of us do. I mean, I think we were trained just to work through anything. Um, but you know, I think depression is something you can't—you just can't work through on your own. You know, whether it's working with medical professionals and you know, certainly sharing it with uh, with family and friends um, makes a difference. And I never did that, um, you know, until more recently. So, and again, I, I don't know. If it was I, it, maybe it is a pride thing, maybe it's an ego thing. Um, but I I also can kind of tell now um, that I've you know, and I'll, I'll always battle it. I'm sure. Um, you know, barring some miracle cure for this thing, but, uh, but I, I can sense it in people now too. Um, like you can see the signs, right. Um, and, and, you know, I think for those of us who, who struggle with, you know, a, a, an extreme form or severe form or strong form of it, um, you think you get good at covering it up. Uh, but people that, you know, kind of know you, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll ask the questions and, you know, I have had people ask me like, you know, are you doing okay? You know, you, you seem like you're you know maybe struggling a little bit and uh so i found myself doing that and if you uh if you do that even for me you know i was like i would be able to open up and say yeah you know i've just it's I've just kind of been battling this you know I'm, I'm struggling um you know so i think if you you see it and i don't know if this is true or not but uh was it was john john cook i think told me um i think the class of 99 1991 has one of the highest suicide rates um uh, at West Point. And I'll have to check with John on where he got that data, but he told me it when we were at uh, Totes', Totes' funeral. <clears throat> and I don't even know what that rate is or how high it's, it is. But It's true. It's yeah. True. So, you know, you know, you know clearly, uh, you know, all of us, you know, who are, you know, kind of consider ourselves hard charging and all that, you know, we may be less capable of reaching out and asking for help. Um, and, you know, I just thought, you know, I was a badass. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, I just kind of, it, it actually made it worse. I would just beat myself up, and I'd just be angry at myself because I felt like I was being weak. Um, but you got to reach out, and you know, you got to. It's, it's, it's got nothing to do with it, right? It's, it's, it's such a, such a, uh, a misunderstood uh, um, disease uh, that, you know, I just realized, like, that, you know, there were a few things I did that just kind of changed chemistry. Um, and it, it wasn't situationally dependent. Now, you know, you got to go through it and, and, and experiment with a bunch of different things, um, which, you know, I haven't really varied a lot of my stuff, but talking to events afterwards, um, you know, there's some, there's some new things I'm going to, to look into. And so there's, there's help out. there. There's incredible resources now too. And from a medical standpoint, um, there's really this, uh, amazing, I think it was called TMA. Uh, it's, a transcranial magnetic something, TMS simulation, um, which has shown like unbelievable results, uh, particularly Europe and Canada, where they actually treat PTSD with it as well. Um, but they treat- Actually,
1: I think um, there is a program that is run by a West Point graduate class of 2002. His name is um, Joe Quinn. <laughs> and that that TMS is the basis for this. It's, it's disassociating events with emotion yeah they
0: yeah they they actually um they actually kind of map map your brain out and they actually very very precise magnetic stimulation into certain regions based on what you're suffering from so ptsd would be different than than pure depression but it's i I think they've um, used it for a number of of things to include you know kind of even fibromyalgia and a handful of other things but in the states i think it's approved for depression and um, and and one other thing which I, i can't remember what it was but but you know, it's 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 a matter of I would not have known that or anything about it, you know, had I not reached out to to Vince. Um, and you know, he was, you know, incredibly helpful. And it took a lot for me to, you know, reach out to a classmate and say, Yeah, man, I'm like, I'm I'm dying over here. Like, I mean, they're, you know, I can't tell you how many, you know, years I spent just just in darkness fighting it, just trying to just everything I could do to get out of bed in the morning uh, and function. And it's just it's a horrible feeling um and you know i i'm sure we all go through you know bouts of it um but if it's something that's been enduring or going on and off for for a number of years you know i would just tell you 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 gotta you gotta reach out and as soon as you start reaching out you know you find that there's 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 new alternatives because when you're in the middle of it you just think it's never going to end um and you know i still have you know bouts and but but knowing that i've had those little blocks of time without it i'm like wow there's hope (laughs) um So, yeah, I mean, you got to reach out and, you know, especially our classmates and, you know, we go back to our tribe, Um, you know, I I guarantee there probably would have been 50 people I could have called that, you know, would have, uh, you know, would have done something or weighed in or, you know, helped me talk about it. And, you know, I just didn't do it. So, uh, but I I was glad I did when I reached out to Vince.
1: Do you think, are there any like environmental factors that make you more or less, susceptible to having a depressive episode, like, for instance, like a big transition in life, or not sleeping enough, or other other changes, or like, like, to what extent can you be affected by external environmental factors is what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, logical.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what I found now is, you know, during high periods of stress, which, of course, Running a startup that loses money every year for nine years tends to, you know, take a little bit out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tends to translate to me more as anxiety and depression. But it used to just spin me into depression. You know, it was and it was just a battle. Like just literally, like getting up every day was was an effort. Um, um, so now what I find is, you know, certainly like sleep, diet um, is is big for me. I I do not sleep well. Um, fortunately, the last probably four or five months. I probably slept better than I have in, in a long, long time. But, you know, I, I used to run on, you know, maybe two to maybe four hours of sleep a night. Um, and that, you know, that contributed to, it's kind of a death spiral, which you can't sleep and you're depressed <laughs> and it makes you more depressed, um, but you're depressed so you can't sleep. And, you know, so I, I'd fall asleep at midnight and wake up at two pretty much, pretty much every night for, I don't know, a, a decade at least. Um, and so that, you know, it was kind of a downward spiral. So it was, for me, it was a matter of, um, you know, actually working with my doctor and just telling him every single thing I could tell him. And, uh, you know, through some pretty minor, um, changes, um, it slowly, you know, started to, to tick away a little bit, um, which allowed me to sleep more, which made me less depressed. So, so, you know, that for me is still a big factor because I, I still am not the best sleeper, but, um, it, it's another thing that I've, you know, been pushing really hard, particularly this year uh, to work on.
1: So we have a, like just a, a ton of comments coming through in the Facebook feed about this. And so uh, thank you so much for your bravery and in, in sharing this. And, you know, basically a lot of the same themes, which is about sleep. It's about balance, it's about having the mindset. Um, it's about having support and having uh, the ability to reach out. I think also recognizing these high stress points, you know, for our, our classmates who are transitioning out of the military, out, out of the army right now, you know, this is a huge passage. It's a huge stressful time, time period. And so make sure that you know that you've got this tribe, right? We are the tribe. We are your tribe. And uh, and we're here for you. And also um, just be mindful of, you know, we're, we're not spring chickens here, right? So we, we have to, but we are young, right? We're young. We've got, you know, 40, 50 more years of productive life that we should be focused on, but we need to be focused on things like diet and sleep and, um, relationships and, uh, balance. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. And I,
0: you know, again, I mean, for me, um, I, I think there was a host of, of reasons, but, you know, I think some of my depression and, and my, my, my coping with depression was working harder, to be honest with you. I just felt like I could, um, work hard and solve the problems that were, you know, bothering me and reduce the stress and, um, you know, may have been a part of my, my, uh, my marriage, uh, not working as of a couple of years ago, uh, you know, after 25 years, but, um, you know, that caused me to kind of, you know, pick my head up a little bit too and, and figure out why now part of the reason I was depressed is because I was with her, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, but, I think the last thing I would say on it, you know, I was very reticent to like trying a medication or anything like that. I just, I, I felt like anything is going to uh, ameliorate my mood or, um, do something like that. I just, I, 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 I virtually never take any medicine. Um, and, and didn't, I mean, even through college, like college in the army, you know, when we were eating, you know, Ranger candy and these giant Motrin pills, like I would, I would, you know, veer away from that too. But, um, you know, you, you can't be fry, afraid to, um, you know, try some medication. I mean, it, for me, it was a very low dose of a very mild thing that, that started my turnaround. Um, and I have no idea why I was hard headed against it. But um, you got to look at whatever tool, uh, you know, is available to you um, and experiment. And if, if some things work great, if they don't, you know, you work with your doctor and you try something else. So
1: mm-hmm. I mean the the reality of it as well is that your body changes over time right so the yeah. chemistry of our of our brains and our system it's like different at age 53 or 52 yeah. than it was at age 18 so Yeah and
0: you're, and you're and you're facing you know just you're it's it's a you know I I really think this is a time in our lives at least what I'm experiencing with my friends both you know from West Point and and outside of that for some reason this this age range you know kind of upper 40s to mid 50s is, is a bit of a turning point, whether you're getting out of the military or not. Um, it just seems like, you know, a lot of people are kind of looking back and, you know, I mean, I look back, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> How the hell did I get here? You know, it seemed like a, a group of uh, simple decisions. And, you know, I've landed here and, uh, and where I'm at. So I, I think it's just a time in our life too, where, you know, you start to get introspective, you start to look at the past, you start to realize you don't have a lot of time um, from a professional capacity or working capacity. And, you know, we, a lot of us have kids. I've got a 11 year old boy who's, uh, who's way too smart. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to feel, afford to give, send him to uh, school if I keep this up and this entrepreneurship thing. Um, so, you know, we all, we all have a bunch of different stresses right now in our lives, uh, that, that, you know, aren't necessarily there 10 years ago. You're not thinking about them. At least that's how it is for me. And I've talked to a lot of other folks, you know, kind of in our, our age group who, who, are, who are going through, you know, various, uh, various, you know, trials right now.
1: Well, I have to say, I mean, that was the beauty. I mean, Tracy Fisher, who this was an offshoot of the old grab podcast. She said, let's put, let's put together this group of people and let's just, let's meet once a month and let's just be very honest with one another. And we've had a couple of these meetings that she she's put together and it's the same themes, right. And people were there for each other. Like here's different ideas of how to deal with like, you know, especially with kids, right? Like at what point is your teenager who's sleeping in past you know, 12 o'clock in the, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, are they just being a teenager or are they potentially subject to some depression? And how do we address that? And like, you know, and then and relationships with, with spouses and aging parents and um, paying for college and cha- transitioning to new roles you know, we're, we're in this together. We are one big tribe, right? And so that's, that's the beauty in this. One of the unintended, but beautiful byproducts of the, of the old grad podcast was that this, that this team was, was this team of, of, of healthy leaders was, was, was formed. So yeah. That's fantastic. yeah. So Rich, we're coming to the end here of the old grad podcast. And I am so grateful again for your your honesty and, uh, your vulnerability in talking about this. And, and also the fun that we had tonight was awesome. I knew that we would have no shortage of things to talk about. But yeah, I know. I'm
0: like, I got a list of
1: 30 other things, Jamie. We'll, Dude, on, we'll,
0: we'll put on the phone next week.
1: <laughs> well, before we hang up, before we hang up, I, I want to give you the mic. I want, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I want you to talk about like this, um, you know, w- any kind of final thoughts, uh, that you have. And, um, I do feel like we need to, um, I, 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 I feel badly. We, we haven't, we, we, we should go back in time here a little bit and just say you had a very special relationship with Tom Mcteague, yeah. our fallen classmate, which is one of the reasons for our old grad podcast is to be able to remember our fallen classmates so they could live through our stories. He was your roommate in flight school. He was one of your best, best friends you were there with him in his final, final, his last mortal breath. Um, So maybe tell Mm. me that story. And if you weave that into anything that you want to leave us with tonight, that would be, that would be very special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know, I know all of us have, you know, a Tommy McTeague in their lives. I'm sure from, from, from West Point or from other places, but you know, it was just ironic because, you know, he was not a lacrosse player, but, you know, again, he, he fell into this uh, circle that, you know, swept him into the center of my Venn diagram. Um, and somehow, just oddly, without trying, you know, we it seemed like every summer thing we did together, you know, we went to airborne school together, we went to aerosol school together. I remember sitting out drinking Mickey's Big Mouth until like 3.30 in the morning, the night before our 12-mile run for aerosol <laughs> school, and just thinking, this is not a good idea. And in fact, I was just thinking about him because his birthday is June 30th um, and uh, we were at Airborne School together. I'm like, hey, Tommy, man, what do you think about hitchhiking to Charleston, South Carolina? He's like, "Sounds sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why what not? could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? That's right. You know, we had like an extra day off. So we're in the back of this truck and it's raining and Tommy's all huddled up. And I looked over and I'm like, I'm like, hey, T, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And then uh, we, we ran out of, we, we, we couldn't get a ride back. So I don't know how we cobbled it together. We got in a, we got, we got a plane ticket to get back down to Fort Benning and ended up being on the plane with like new kids on the block or something. It was totally bizarre, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we maintained a friendship, obviously, you know, through flight school, we went through that together and, um, you know, just, you know, stayed as brothers and, you know, I, I went off but I came back and I was at Fort Hood when he was at Fort Hood when he um, he actually had gotten sick. It's winding up getting out of the military there. Um, it was probably somewhat uh, related to his, his eventual disease, but um, you know, it was, you know, he called me. You know, I'd, we we talked a lot, but I uh, hadn't really seen him a lot. Uh, but he called me I was out in Vegas working, and uh, you know, told me that uh, it didn't look good, and uh, you know, he was going to fight it. And I got read right on an airplane and flew to New York, and um, as did a bunch of other people. And, you know, I, I pretty much spent every other week, um, trying to get down there, if, if not every third week, um, and spending time with the family. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, tough, but, you know, I remember, you know, people at the time, you know, when I was explaining, we had guys like Brian Fitzgerald and, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jay Wilkins from flight school who was a Dartmouth guy. Uh, and all the people around the like New York area were just constantly, constantly in and out trying to see how we could support staff. And, and the girls, and you know, Kendall was about three and a half at the time, and um, and, and Steph was pregnant for um, uh, for a little girl uh, who was born uh, shortly before Tommy passed. Uh, but yeah, it was rough, and I remember Steph asked me to go into the room to explain to Kendall that her father had gone because we had uh, just, you know, kind of been with him for his for his last. And Kendall, you know, the way Steph explained it was, you know. Kendall, I explained to you, you know, your dad's body's broken and we tried really hard, but we couldn't fix it. And Kendall looked over me with these eyes and she just said, Richie, you can't fix it. And I was like, oh, if I could carve my heart out literally with a spoon and drop it into your daddy's chest, I would do it. Um, So, but, you know, the, the point isn't to, you know, tell us that story. I mean, he was an incredibly strong person and he had a lot of faith and um, you know, I mean, the only thing I could say is I'm not really sure why God takes all the good ones, but, um, you know, for me, it was just natural, um, for all of us. I mean, Steph called me and said he was going to go to hospice and I flew down and held his hand in the ambulance the whole way to his house and, you know, and talked to him about, you know, us taking care of things and, and giving him some peace. Um, and to me, it's just something we all do. I, I just didn't see it as something bizarre. But people around me would be like, "Are you shitting me? What? You're going down there again?" And you, like, they didn't get it. But it's you know, I think it's part of the, the brotherhood and the sisterhood that we develop at West Point. I mean, I would have done anything for them. I literally, if I could have torn my heart out of my chest and stick it in, I might, I would have done it. Um, so, I just thought it was normal. And and seeing people from the outside, their perspective, um, made you know, just re- made me realize, really, for the first time, how special you know, how special this, this kinship we have on uh, this brotherhood, um, where we would pretty much drop anything and do whatever it takes. And it's not, it, it just goes without thought, you just do it. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I was really kind of like skeptical at West Point. Um, and really, my only regret is not taking advantage of more of the things there, you know, and I was, I was kind of in the rebel phase, like, ah oh, this is bullshit. And, uh, you know, all these things, and you kind of step away from it. And you start looking at the decisions you make in life and the friendships that you have, and you realize how much, you know, that place form, formed you in those four years. Uh, but it takes some separation. I think at least it did for me. I didn't go back for 10 years. Um, and then I didn't go back for another like eight. Um, and now I go back and, you know, you find, you know, a sense of pride. And, you know, I think of all my my friends when I was there. and You walk around and have all your flip flashbacks. And. You know, we're, we're blessed to have, you know, classmates that are there that welcome us in with open arms like, you know, Mark and Holly and and uh, and cook and those guys Hartley. So, you know, for me, it took me a long time to realize what a very special place it was uh, and that really I mean, was just honored to have the people around me care about me as much as I care about them, you know, you, you feel like you don't even deserve it right but um, it took me a long time to realize how special it was, and you know, now I'm like, now that now it's like constantly, like, it's just army this, army that. Like I've turned into what do we just call them, grayhogs? Yeah, I think I'm like, whatever it is. Um, yeah, so uh, I uh, I definitely shifted gears a little bit. I, you know, like I said, like you know, like James said we were just out for uh, for Holly's uh, uh, retirement ceremony and just driving around. You know, you start to feel you start to feel honored. Um, and so I, I never really felt proud, um, but I certainly just feel honored, you know, when I go there now. So um, it's something I'll be able to latch on to for a long time. Well, thank you for that perspective, how blessed
1: we are to be connected the way that we are through our class, through the long gray line, you know, and just as you were there, holding Tommy Mcteague's hand in the ambulance, I mean, we want to be there for each other like this, right? And so Um, we want to make sure that, um, we see people at our reunion, but we want to be able to be connected beyond that. And so we should make a point, like reach out to classmates, connect with people you haven't connected with in a long, long time. Um, you know, life is for living. Like, like Kenny Mintz said, life is for living. Let's, let's, let's make that happen. So
0: yeah, the alternative um, sucks.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Richie, thank you again for joining us for the old grad podcast. I'm going to Let the credits run out, but you can hang on for a little bit. And we'll uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Old Grad Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for
0: joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.